living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Mitch, and with my show co-hosts, I'd like to acknowledge the Rwandari people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past and present, and acknowledge that this land was stolen and that sovereignty was never ceded. The Living Free Show showcases one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling, and food addictions. But today on the show, we have Ellie. Ellie has had a complicated relationship with food her whole life, and it's in a better place now, but we're going to go back to the start of Ellie's relationship with food to see how that's progressed and how Ellie's relationship with food is like today. So welcome to the show, Ellie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, so yeah, if you could run me back to the start of, or your earliest memories with food rather, and whether or not that was something that you, uh, or you had issues with from a young age. So obviously my earliest memories, I don't necessarily remember, but I have been told by my mom specifically that from the ages around zero to four, I could eat literally anything, no problem, all fruits, all vegetables, all textures, all flavors. Um, and then just one day she fed me a banana and I gagged it out, rejected it completely. And from that day on, did not touch a single fruit or vegetable, basically anything healthy. Um, and yeah, so from my earliest memories, it was just such a texture and taste thing, but I was specifically so fearful of just fruit and vegetables, basically anything healthy. How old were you, um, when you had that banana? Was that like really early? Yeah, like three or four. And do you remember anything else other than the actual taste sensation of the banana itself? Do you remember like your emotions or, you know, why that might have been disturbing to you? Um, obviously not that specific banana. Like I don't remember that first banana I gagged up, but just like fruit from that age. It was sometimes like not even a mental thing. It was like physically my body was rejecting to swallow. Like that's how I felt. And when was the first time you kind of told other people about this? Was it something that you were particularly introverted about or something that you didn't want to speak up about? I think like from so long, I just genuinely didn't see an issue with it. And that was the problem, I think, was that it wasn't a problem. And I think the other thing is mum and like mum and dad, obviously, my, my family very much knew about it. And when did you first tell them? They knew before me. They knew that I was gagging food up before I did. You know what I'm saying? So, and then friends even, like I just straight up say like, oh, I'm a picky eater. And they completely understood that. They were just like, okay. Like no one really questioned it, I would say, actually. And you described that as a problem. Why, why did you describe that as a problem? I mean, it was obviously unhealthy what I was consuming that I was like, you know, allowing myself to eat my body was not necessarily nutritional. So... Yeah, I would say that's a problem, for sure. And speaking to other friends about it, you said that they just kind of referred to you as like a picky eater. Mm -hmm. So when did you kind of open up, if at all, and say, hey, this is actually a, a genuine issue of mine? Um, it actually happened pretty recently, probably like a year ago. I was at home and forgive me, but I did smoke a joint and I just started laying, like I actually started identifying why I was rejecting foods because of texture and taste and how some things 
I could justify because the taste was sweet and good and the texture was disgusting, but because it tasted good, I could swallow it. And then other things, the texture was good, not necessarily the taste. So I could swallow that as well. So if, but if a texture overruled the taste, I couldn't eat it. And if a taste overruled the texture, I couldn't eat it. And I think I was just kind of piecing it all together. Like, oh my God, that's disordered eating. Like I fully had an issue. Mm. So it was really interesting. And even my friends were just there really taking it in. Like, oh my God, this is so interesting. The way that you're breaking this down. Cause I have never struggled with this. So it's interesting to hear. And I guess from that day forward, how did you implement what you had learned into your diet? Was that something that happened straight away or was that a process? Um, yeah, basically force eating. That's kind of what it is. Like just actually mentally just being like, you have to stop. Like you just you have to accept it. Um, but mental things that were really good is mashing things together. So I'd make like mashed potato and put broccoli in it. And because like I'm just mentally eating mashed potato and I can't really taste the broccoli too much like that's how and my dad was really good at that so all through childhood I think the reason I'm alive is because my dad was really good at hiding really good ingredients in meals yeah I feel like that's what they do for babies to get babies to eat what they should be eating more or less yeah literally no for sure um and I suppose the other thing around this is when you tell people that this is an issue for you, I, I guess it can be quite, you're in your own head about it. It can be quite difficult to vocalize exactly how you feel about these kinds of things. So were you, did you ever have reservations about how you might vocalize this or even get professional help for this kind of thing? Um, I, not necessarily. No, I, my dad would always ask, like, do you need help? Like, do you think this is something you should get help with? And I think when I was a kid, I was really stubborn. And again, like for so long, I didn't actually see it as a problem. So basically I was, I denied my own help. And that kind of escalated to my father, like force feeding me, which was like pretty fucked up, (laughs) to be Mm. honest. And I have some really bad memories of that. But yeah, I guess that's what happened. How do you think that uh, those memories kind of implicated you in your relationship with food? Do you... I think it worsened it for sure. Like, you know, when my dad was, like, when I was physically gagging up food and I was getting screamed at to eat it, like, of course, that just does not create good memories of food for sure or just any eating habits in general. Do you feel like the way that you kind of internalise um, this disorder more or less, do you think that bled into any other aspects of your eating, maybe in regards to, like, um, overeating or undereating or throwing your food up or anything like that? I think that's probably just an issue in itself, but, like, definitely for sure. I think I've struggled um, with, like, weight and body dysmorphia and, like, eating disorders in that sense of just, like quantity maybe like not eating enough especially in high school like very restricted for sure but I wouldn't say that maybe was led into this disordered eating of just like healthy foods I think that's just kind of another issue in itself but I think it just adds to the overall issues of food and just overthinking it and like it's always on my mind for sure and what about researching this kind of thing online? Did you find any success with researching it? Or I guess it was that moment that you smoked the joint, had the realisation. I have done a little bit of research, probably not enough. But I did, oh, I know that it is a type of eating disorder. And I can't 
exactly pinpoint what it is, but I also remember being in English one day in year 12 and my friend Alary, who did suffer from a really bad eating disorder, bulimia, she did tell me like, yeah, you have this specific disordered eating and you should probably get help for it. Um, but yeah, I think like I also just kind of figured it out naturally how to, you know, cook right and can just force it basically to, because yeah, with foods, if you basically eat it enough times, you actually can get comfortable with that type of texture. And it is just kind of like a long, timely process, but you can get over it. And I think I'm at a place now where I probably don't need to see professional help. Don't know about that, but... <laughs> um, I guess it is, like anything else, almost like habit forming. Once you start doing it yeah. and you get into a pat- pattern of doing it, your brain becomes adjusted to it. I think that's what they say also about eating less kind of processed foods. Mm-hmm. And whatnot eventually your brain stops craving those kinds of things yeah. and you know when you do have it it's not something that satisfying or or it could be but in in relation to what you have been eating it's not the same mm-hmm. the same patterns aren't formed so uh i guess we should preface this by saying that sophie's just recently graduated so this has been a journey that she's undertaken throughout school mm-hmm. um so how did you find out about your friend's bulimia and how did that come up? Um, yeah, no, she completely disappeared and got admitted to hospital, like seeking into a private hospital. And that was how we all found out about it. It was really sad, actually. Did that make you reconsider the way in which you'd wanted to t- discuss this kind of issue with your friends or your own eating journey? No, to be honest, no. I, I think like food has never been... I think, like, my specific case is definitely just, like, anything good for me, like, fruit and vegetables, but I've always been able to just, like, eat dinner or, like, you know, potatoes, meat. So, I don't know. I probably wouldn't say no. I'd say no, yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, And I guess what's your relationship like today? So, it's been, you know, how how long since you smoked the joint and had that realisation till today? Yeah, one year. One, One year. One year, yeah. And what's your relationship like with food today? Um, so much better. I just recently moved out and I'm figuring out how to like cook. And I think that's another thing. Like it's, I always had a feeling that this would be the case, but I will say since living on my own a bit more, I, it's, it's me. It's an intrinsic motivation now. It's not someone yelling at me to eat or drink a smoothie, like eat this, eat that. It's not, it's not like that anymore. It's like, if you want to sustain a healthy, you know, relationship with food, if you want to become more healthy and feel better it's up to you and I think that pressure of yeah being on my own actually helped me because it's like all right it's it's your game now like this is it so yeah I feel like that's so true of moving out and becoming independent Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like without the other influences you're free to make your own decisions and kind of like you said that was either something that you were going to do for your own health and for your own well-being Although it can also be difficult, you know, I, I guess we, we should acknowledge that it's okay to still need the help to be able to do these kinds of things and being independent can bring its own kind of solace and um, perhaps not like a loneliness, but, you know, there is a pressure yeah. as well with that kind of thing. And like in saying that, I think food is especially something that when I got rewarded for eating well, it was cringy to me. It just feels so belittling. So when I can eat a good meal that I cooked and enjoy it and no one have to be like patting me on the back for just eating a healthy meal, 
it's just a thing of my own reassurance. Like, yeah, girl, you did that. And no one else has to know. Like, that's just a little... It's like a little secret win that I honestly appreciate throughout my day so much. You mean eating healthy food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I cook a good healthy meal that I cooked and I eat it, and I'm just like, good on you. You know, like, go me. And no one's having to, yeah, like, experience, be there for that, I guess. Yeah, I can totally kind of relate. That's, like, how I feel about exercise mm-hmm. and food itself. It's like you're giving yourself the upper upper hand or the upper leg perhaps not like on other people but yeah you do have that confidence from doing something that you know is good for you for sure so what about like trigger foods what are some foods that you absolutely would not touch like red light foods well this is where i can go into detail so i okay so foods i can't deal with the texture is bananas i hate it strawberries i used to what about bananas specifically the mushiness or the mushiness if it's a smoothie like the, it's more it's actually a seed that's what it really gets me it's like why is there another texture in here that i have to like swallow and feel what about banana flavoring in like lollies and milkshakes yeah, and stuff? I, I love that banana milk i fucking love but little those little bananas love them so yeah it's weird that's what i'm saying it's not a flavor thing i wouldn't say it's just purely texture um, other textures, passion fruit, like, whoa. Sorry, it actually gets me gross thinking about it. Like the seeds, ugh, I hate that. Um, What's wrong? What did you find off putting about the seeds? Because me speaking personally, like I love the seeds, the texture, the crushing them like in my mouth kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like they, it shouldn't feel, it's like little seeds like going down my throat. I just hate it. Like I don't know what it is. It feels so unnatural. Maybe it is because I like to chew it all down and like really mush it up. And then I like it swallow. So I think that could potentially play a part in why I hate it. But seeds is just such a thing. Yeah. And any other texture related foods? I'm trying to think what other textures. There's definitely so many. Mm. But you can you can move on to just like other foods that aren't texture oh, related. I actually got a good one. Watermelon. Like it tastes like sand. Like the texture is a little bit grainy. Mm. Ugh, nuts. I hate that they stay in your mouth. They're just really inconvenient. Same with coconut. Can't do it. And it's it's something where the the taste of it does not justify the hate and the pain that I go through with those textures. You just named some of my favorite foods yeah. just there. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. So it's not, you know, for instance, something like watermelon, which I would say is like like mm. super, super delicious. But now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking back to watermelons that I've had that are a little bit out of date or are a little bit like mushier and like they taste off. And like I have some kind of insight into what you're talking about just through virtue of the foods that I don't like. But as we were kind of talking about off air, this is something that I'm really curious about because I've never had a relationship with food where... Um, I overthought anything any more than anyone else that doesn't like any given foods. Mm. Um, so you are in a place today where you are able to cook and enjoy some of these healthier foods and whatnot. Do you still have any kind of issues day to day with the foods that you've just listed? For sure. Well, it's even just how it's consumed. Like, for example, carrots, I can only have... Oh, I've gotten better at it, but I only like them really crunchy. So I won't, I can't have them cooked. Like they don't taste good to me cooked. Mm. Um, tomatoes, I can't have not cooked. Like I can't just eat a pure tomato. That's like such a fear food for me. Um, mushrooms. Yeah. Like if they're just too, I like to, if I'm cooking healthy, it's like, I got to really chop them up really finely so that I can't t- taste the texture very much. 
So these are a lot of like, I guess, like vegetables, mm. natural foods and stuff like that. Whereas I feel like if you want to get in depth about the processed foods that you used mm. to substitute for these vegetables back in the day, what was it about the textures of these foods that you were more okay with? That's, that's something that I can't even grasp. Like, I don't know why. It's, it's like I just categorized all healthy food as a fear food because I never had an issue with the texture or taste of any fucking junk food, basically. Um, but I will say, like, for custard, don't necessarily like the, the texture of it. Like, I don't really like mousse, mm. but because I've got such a sweet tooth, like, I will just completely eat it. Like, I love the taste of custard, so it justifies the challenge of the texture, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas I just think the flavour of fruit is not necessarily satisfying enough for me to justify over the texture. And the other thing I was going to say about you and the watermelon and stuff like I hate how unpredictable fruit is I think that's such a thing whereas processed foods you're getting the same texture and taste majority of the time you know if you buy a processed biscuit it's gonna have the same crunch same taste so that's that's almost making me think of this as like a control thing or you know you're not gonna have the anxiety if you know exactly what you're getting Mm -hmm. kind of thing and that's what I was talking to someone about the other day like I guess if like a banana you can see the skin is blackened like you might be able to tell but not always yeah and like yeah I I do think that's quite true of different fruits like I I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe an OCD thing as well maybe just and like that is especially it like it's how it feels swallowing and going down and yeah like especially for example with a hamburger because what I have to do to you know get it down sometimes is just Think about the overall flavor because if I hyperfixate on an ingredient too much, like if there's too much lettuce in it and I know there's heaps of lettuce in it, that's all I think about. Like I'll take a bite, I won't taste the meat, I won't taste the bun. It's just, it's and it's like I'm looking for that flavor to hate it. It's so weird. Um, same with oh, I forgot I forgot sorry. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Um, okay, we might go to a quick break uh, and play a song. This is Disco Business by Flimsy Lohan. If you don't have anything nice to say, speak up. I sip a tequila in a teacup Also seen that I dreamed of Balance on a toothpick I'm the cheap stuff Dealing with some reflux What real should I reflex? No thieves But you slow with the reflex Sort of sad but Life is peaches Always looking at the plus Never equals One time no sequel One on my shoulder Questioning my evil And I don't sit on the church steeple My escapism technique Synthetic organic Raw less is no fairy tale Face fears in a scary way No meaning till we fade away It ain't all the same Up and down world keeps spinning around But I always walk proud To spark pain from the Past. In the face, in the dark, no complaints, always laugh They try and make us lose our spot, but I never could Been doing this since they spent with several crew If you say you couldn't do it, you never will Better dead have been blue still Better dead have been blue still Better dead have been blue still Never met. 
Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. We were talking a little bit before the break about um, your relationship with food and how it's progressed over the years, but something that we didn't really delve into too much was how it affected the other people in your life. So your friends and your family. Um, what do you think was going through the minds of your parents when they were trying to address this growing up? Yeah, I think it very much stressed them the hell out. And... I don't think I necessarily fully gripped that until I was a little bit older. But, you know, I think when your child is not eating right, you do tend to blame yourself, for sure. And I think their ways of dealing with it may not have been the healthiest, for sure. But it really did make me... Like, I felt so guilty. I think when I got older, it was... The, the, more, the guilt definitely added to it when... I saw that it really did like detrimentally affect them and they would, you know, obviously just completely worry about my health all the time. And they, sorry, yeah, no, they would just like sit me down and be like, come on, like we're really worried. This could really affect your health. What other ways did they kind of control your eating and trying to implement a more normal quote unquote diet? So there was obviously a lot of forced eating. Like for example, there was a solid just six months when I was probably 12 or 13, when my dad would sit me down before school and just force me to eat a drink, sorry, drink a smoothie. And I just would pinch my nose and I'd cry, I would cry. And he'd just be like, drink it, drink it. Um, so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of just like threats, you know, like you're gonna get bowel cancer if you don't start eating right. And I think that was their loss. You know, they, they tried to do it in a very caring, supporting way. And when that did not work, I think that was their last resort, which obviously did not freaking help. Like when you're freaking going through it and they're just saying you're going to die if you don't eat healthy, it just freaks you out, to be honest. But I suppose from their perspective, they're thinking, OK, sure. there's an opportunity here to correct the eating issue, quote unquote, and we could have been doing more to address this maybe earlier. So... We're still not getting through. This is like, a, this is the only way we can do this kind of thing. Yeah, which I, you know, looking back as an older, you know, adult, I think they were definitely in the right to do that. You know, maybe they thought, all right, this supportive whole bullshit is not working. Let's just really out of fear. Like you have to eat now out of fear of your health. When did you have that realization? Yeah, probably 15, 16. I really realized like, okay this is not healthy and this is so bad. And in terms of realising that your parents were pro probably just trying to address it as parents and, you know, having a little bit of sympathy for them and that their side of the story, I guess, can be difficult when you're in the thick of it and still trying to address these issues. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess, yeah, when, d when did you start having a little bit more sympathy for your parents? Was it when, you know, you moved out or was that like a recent thing? I actually was in... A psychology class and we were watching a documentary of psychologists trying to they had a test group of people with a lot of different disorders or um, you know 
it's called mental illness mm. and they had to assign each disorder or mental illness to that person and yeah one guy with the eating disorder sat down and he just got interviewed and he said that I don't know it actually it was his guilt he felt super guilty about how obviously I think he experienced near-death situations where his parents really had to emotionally dive into that and I think it, it did hit me like oh my god I did not realize probably how stressful that was and how emotional not eating healthy and yeah just like being really what's it called undernourished probably malnourished, malnourished. um yeah it would really affect you as an, a parent you know just having a kid and I guess this is like also a classic, um, my child won't eat vegetables. Like my child, this is something that children grow out of yeah. classically. And so there are, I guess, different different things that kids take a, a little bit longer to grow out of, but parents go, oh, it's going to happen eventually. It's going to happen eventually. And I suppose also it's a, um, not to sympathize with your parents too much, but like it's also a, um, this this is something that they'll eventually grow out of. So I actually don't know what my train of thought is here, but um, if we could maybe get back to your family and your friends. So your friends, how did they kind of treat this, this thing? I think it was just such a like, Oh, that's just Sophie thing. I'm an Ellie. Um, <laughs> like it's just such an Ellie thing for her. Like it was just such a character trait and yeah, now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's probably really weird, to be honest, that that was just such a normalised... It was so normalised, honestly, but... um. They didn't make you feel, like, bad about it ever, did they? Um, uh, they would make jokes, for sure. Like, there was a lot of sarcasm, like, oh, not, not Sophie trying to eat my apple. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think in that time, it was not a big issue that that was just, like... Again, it was just picky eater. That's kind of what I was labelled as, which, honestly, I think helped me you know, be okay with it mm. and maybe not feel so stressed, you know, but I guess now looking back, it probably should have been identified as a bit more of an issue, but that's okay. I'm not like, you know, worried about that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And before you used um, the phrase OCD, potentially to describe some of these eating habits. So can you elaborate on that? I mean, yeah. Well, now that I think about it, just like that hyperfixation of it going down my throat or how many chews it takes for me like if I'm tasting something new or a fear food of mine, I have to take little nibbles and I have to chew it right down until it feels right to swallow. And then if it doesn't feel like it, if it doesn't go down the throat, you know, how I want it to, I would just gag. Like it just, it felt so wrong physically that I just completely, my body just completely fucked out basically and is that just a food thing or is that any kind of other sensations like alcohol or drugs or any other kind of textures like that at all that you think um i'm trying to think like if i have any other ocd kind of traits well i guess you know with alcohol there are so many different textures and flavors and like especially beers and like you know i feel like i've experienced that myself the first time i had like a sour beer and i'm just like this is not going down the way that i want it to go down right now and it's like a bit of an acquired taste or like acquired tastes themselves Mm. like things that you don't like and your palate might um, mature to like over time and stuff like that um so yeah never that kind of thing with alcohol or anything i think for me the the feeling 
of getting drunk or getting high is enough to justify the taste. Like, do I could just down shots because I know I'm gonna get drunk. So mm. it's like, just do it kind of thing. Um, which yeah, it's pretty rogue, but it's pretty rogue. It's That's pretty a rogue. potentially destructive mentality right there. Especially with weed, like a lot of my friends hate the taste, and I guess I did, but I think it did just become an acquired taste. Same with coffee. Really didn't like coffee, mm. but the effect of it was enough for me to be like, okay, we have to get used to it because it does you good. So, what about cigarettes? Yeah, I hate the smell, but the taste is actually more mild than I thought. And again, yeah, not really an issue. Mm. Um, I kind of see patterns in what you're describing with food in regards to uh, like the experiences of people drinking and with drugs and stuff like that. So for instance, I had like an experience where I just had like way too much nicotine and I had one night where I just had way too many cigarettes. And now whenever I smell cigarettes, it's like in my brain, there is just an ick and an instant sense of disgust basically and yeah that like for me when i smell that my brain totally shuts down um definitely vapes i would say and i was not meant to i was meant to say this before but specific flavors like if if it's not a flavor i gag i actually do gag on flavor vapes mm. for sure and even like getting sick i used to get really sick if i when i started vaping like when i was really fresh at it i just like ooh. how old were you when you first started vaping <laughs> or like 15 maybe 14 yeah and what was your introduction to vapes like um oh my brother i think it was my brother at first yeah it was it actually was and it took me ages like i didn't understand it i would just bump off mm-hmm. and yeah then i think i finally figured it out and i was like oh my god mm-hmm. and i got my first heady and i was like this is it mm-hmm. and were you i guess kind of like hooked on vapes like from that point onwards mm-hmm. I would not say I've ever actually been really hooked on vapes. I just think I'm someone who labels myself as a social vapor, but yeah, my friends were very much on it. And because of that, my brothers, my friends, like I was actually around it all the time. And there was definitely like just a solid two years where I was just vaping every day, Mm. but I never owned them. So in my head, it was like that justified it. Um, But yeah, no, it's probably like a bigger issue than I really consciously thought of. It was. Mm-hmm. And drinking, did you start drinking around the same age as what you started vaping? I reckon younger, maybe like 13, 14. 13's pretty young. So like, what was your introduction to alcohol like? Um, yeah, never had it at home, which is interesting. And especially dealing with like alcoholic parents. Um, it was always around me, which I think definitely normalized it for sure. But yeah, my first experience was mercury, hard like hard cider on a beach and I it was my first time getting really drunk and I loved it like I got really drunk in year eight and it was a vibe sorry Mm. but I loved it a friend of mine had an experience with mercuries that rendered them (laughs) immune to mercuries basically and like the complete opposite experience to you Mm. um I yeah I don't know I think mercuries like are a little bit like gross like a bit too strong you are right that's one thing i just can't consume but i would i would gag on them in your eight but i was like i gotta do it you know but that's like that's like kind of normal it's like you know when you kind of have vodka around that age for the first time Mm -hmm. it's like kind of gross and what about what about like hard spirits and stuff like that how do you go with those yeah i love shotting them and tequila i love vodka i love Mm -hmm. haven't really tried other i hate they don't like whiskey Mm -hmm. Don't, not a fan of rum. Don't like beer. Mm. There's definitely a lot of alcohol I don't fuck with, but. Mm. 
Do you think like, so this is like a bit of like a theoretical um, scenario, a question. So you basically said that with drugs and alcohol, if you don't particularly like the taste, it's worth it because it's going to give you like the psychoactive effect yeah. and it's going to make you, it's going to put you up or whatever. Do you think, for instance, if this is ridiculous, but something like a banana would give you like uh, a huge mood upper and that kind of thing. Do you think that would be enough to maybe encourage you to push through the texture and that kind of yeah. thing? I think as well as alcohol though, like there's so many options. So I think with the banana in my theoretical sense is I can get that nutritional, you know, up, up, or whatever in just a different sauce, like mm. an apple or pineapple or watermelon, even though I can't stand the texture. Like there are just really big fear foods that I can definitely maneuver around. But same with alcohol. Like there's a lot of, it I don't like, but I don't have to drink, you know, mm. I can just stick to what I want to, drink that will still get me the same effect if that makes sense yeah for sure and so how does um weed help with your relationship with food um i get really hungry and things taste better i actually would say no surprises yeah, right there yeah definitely not like but i will say i definitely gravitate towards junk food mm. by anything honestly anything tastes delicious and i do, do actually think it really helps mm. So, well, yeah, I mean, I just had the thought cross my mind, you know, when you're a bit younger, maybe you could have weird helped this kind of mm. aversion to these healthier foods, but I'm not recommending anyone get their kid on, you know, edibles or anything yeah. like that from a young age, but I, I think maybe it could have mm. enhanced the flavor sensation or potentially um, given you like an appreciation for mm. the texture of these foods, or it could have had the opposite effect. That's true. You know, it has, like, it can. But I think on when I am high, like I can, it, I can appreciate the overall taste a bit better. Because as I was saying, if I am having a healthy meal with meat and potatoes or whatever, like some of my comfort foods in it, and it's all kind of mixed around, like I can just really appreciate the taste. Like tacos, for example, burgers, even though there's elements of nutrition on there, just because everything's packed all in one and it's like one big bite of everything. Mm. I can just really appreciate like, okay, this all tastes good instead of hyperfixating on that one ingredient. So I think weed's good at that as well. Just appreciate the whole taste. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're going to go to another break um, and we'll be right back. This is St. Elmo's Fire by Michael Franks. When I start then I find there is no one there But I think of you And I know we are something new We get high and high Crazy blue Like St. Elmo's fight Love so sharp and flat that it's hard to know just where you're at But now I know I want you I want you to be my woman Now I know I want you I want you to be my woman Got the werewolf split When the moon's full I I'm in love with the love we make We get high, high, crazy blue 
Like St. Elmo's fight Love so sharp and flat That it's hard to know just where you're at Now I know I want you I want you to be my woman Now I know I want you I want you to be my woman a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home we'll drop them in at 3CR and put them in the Books and Boots bin Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au we love a good book Okay, so before the break, um, we were discussing what it was like to be around friends um, that would label you as like a picky eater. And although that wasn't, you know, something too um, troubling for you, that was what was accepted amongst you and your friendship group. But it's also not so surface level as well. Um, It's not so black and white. So would you like to get into more your relationship with your friends and... um, any kind of feelings of envy or that kind of thing? Yeah, I think struggling with such distorted eating comes just so much jealousy, for sure. Like, when I would see my friends or family just chuck back a good salad 
like that it actually watching it was just like oh my god how that was my main like how do they how are they actually eating that it's so normal it's so normal and it was just so unnormal for me like it was just like oh my god how are they doing that how are they not gagging like especially when i was younger i think i was just i'd watch someone eat a whole tomato and go mm, delicious and i just thought what like that did not cognitively make sense to me at all and how did those feelings kind of progress over time and how did you deal with them um it was definitely a suffer in silence kind of thing and it was such a in my own head like even just watching people at a cafe you know dig their night like fork into a salad and consume it like pure lettuce and tomato nothing meat or anything like it was genuinely so frustrating it was such a frustrating experience just like why can't i and then i think it really did come into that just like i attacked myself and why can't i do this why can't i eat that like still to this day i don't think i've ever had a salad like it's just such a fear obviously like i'm working my way into it but literally never like i just the thought of that makes me question mark yeah Yeah, and um just so i can better understand it as well um you know specifically what parts of the salad so you've mentioned lettuce and tomato before but i guess is it just those two things is it like a combination of things yeah just um lettuce getting into like basically overanalyzing food back back to that um tastes like poison like, that's the only way I can explain lettuce. It's, like, actually poison. I don't know what it is. To me, lettuce is crunchy and fresh, and it doesn't even have, like, that much of a See, taste. People, say that. people literally say, like, oh, it's just such a good texture. It just adds texture. And I'm like, no, there is a genuine pure poison taste to that. But I like the texture of it. What does poison taste like to you? Um. Okay, what's a good example? Like, when you maybe put your finger on batteries and then you taste it, you know, that kind acidic, of... Acidic, almost? Acidic kind of taste... That's how it tastes to me. Yeah, okay. Completely. And what about something like salad dressing? Like, that would eliminate the taste mm. of that kind of thing. I don't think I've had enough salads to really know. But I am excited. Like, I'm, that's my next kind of goal is, like, a Caesar salad with, like, a really creamy sauce. I think, mm. like, maybe I could eliminate the flavor by just dousing that in sauce. Mm. But, yeah, I hate tomatoes, as I said. Like, mushy, gooey. Ugh, sorry. So you don't really have like food goals per se. So you just mentioned like that is like maybe something that you could try out. Mm. Do you have things that you kind of want to work towards or recipes that you're like, oh, that might help me eat something that I've previously been unable to eat? Yeah, I think I definitely have fear foods that I'm like just trying to work my way up into, you know, like bananas, maybe putting them in smoothies and then work my way from there. I think it's also just seriously just putting it in front of you and just like, okay, like this is it. But it is genuinely frightening. Like the anxiety I get especially if someone's like just eat it just eat the apple like that put on the spot feeling just like your heart rate is going crazy Mm -hmm. and yeah i just don't think it's anything it's not something that a lot of people experience so it's such an internal thing um the role of exercise and diets Mm -hmm. um in regards to your um relationship with food so i guess when you were younger we were discussing a little bit about the fact that dieting and exercise wasn't really something in your mind now that it is how has that changed the way that you view food um i think i'm very fortunate to have a fast metabolism and like stay skinny most of my life but i've also exercise has been such a big part of my entire life like i'm always doing sports i've always been active and i think that really did help just my overall health as well as like you know eating so much meat and carbs like just that protein kind of getting me through I think um 
But I, I do wonder, like, theoretically, if maybe I didn't have such a fast metabolism and, yeah, like, if I really showed how much junk food and fast food I really did eat, I wonder if that would have been more motivating. And I'm obviously I don't know because I think I've, like, kept a pretty slim figure my most of my life, but it, it does make me think, like, I wonder if that would have been a lot more of a motivational push. Or would it have been, oh, I've got this issue and these are the physical ramifications of it and, and I'm in an even worse place. Yeah. I could have spiralled even yeah. even further. I guess it's just something I'll never know, but it is interesting. Like, I do, I do think about it. But, like, I don't know, does maybe staying this... Because I think people look at me and think, oh, she looks healthy, you know, and maybe that really did underlie the issue for mm. sure. Like, you know, may, maybe it slipped under the radar just because I... You know, stereotypically, I didn't have a big... I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, you were talking about how you kind of never really addressed it. And mm. I think that that was probably exacerbated by people saying, oh, she looks fit, she yeah. looks healthy. Yeah. It's like, not only not only is like the eating like not a big deal, you can't see any kind of physical ramifications. Exactly. Um, I guess, how have you noticed a change in your energy and your well-being and like your physical health since... Um, um, changing your diet from what you were eating to what you're eating today. Yeah. And, and can you walk us through what your diet typically consists of today? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to cut back on a bit of meat. And I think like getting into the gym makes me realize how much diet is such a big aspect of, you know, bodybuilding or like just getting in shape, looking at how you want to look. It really does. I mean, it's majority of it is just like what you are consuming, you know, the, the, that kind of diet. Um, so yeah, I'm like really trying to eat healthier. I... Wake up, like, eggs, veggies in the morning, um, like, fill up on that. I've been meal prepping a lot of just, like, chicken, potatoes. Like, I usually have a pretty protein-heavy um, dinner. Although you're cutting back on meat? Yeah, so before I'd probably eat, like, meat three times a day. I'd have bacon, egg in the morning or just bacon, basically bacon and bread because I was a picky eater. And then I'd have, you know, like, a frozen chicken snitchel for lunch and spag bowl for dinner like mm. that was what my diet consisted of that's like a solid protein intake or it's meat intake like so much protein but just not enough of anything else basically so i think i'm realizing that and yeah just like maybe trying to make a conscious effort to obviously still consume protein and intake that but you don't need it for every meal mm. <laughs> or you can get protein through eggs or you know other ingredients chickpeas whatever yeah. you know yeah and um, what about binge eating? So how did binge eating play a role in um, your dieting when food was more of an issue than today? Yeah, I think it still plays a big role because, yeah, as I said, I've never been on a diet like ever in my whole life. And as I was explaining to you off air, like I think my diet, like my eating habits is already so restricted through what I fear and what I don't that the idea of putting more restriction on it completely freaks me out like, mm. and it's just so overwhelming and what I do is I hyper fixate on that I'm like look how good I'm doing like yes I ate that meal I ate that meal and it just becomes like so exhausting and so restricting even if it's not like even if it's just you know a mediumly healthy meal because I've labeled it as healthy because my diet has been so shit for the you know previous 15 years of my life um I really like to hyper fixate on like that was healthy this mm. is healthy I'm doing well I'm doing well and I think it just gets completely overwhelming where it just hits like 10 o'clock I'm craving chocolate and I will go in 
Do you think that's like an all or nothing black and white mentality that might not be helpful? No, fully, I think. That's exactly what it is. I'm just like, healthy, healthy, healthy. Like, all day, all day that, yeah, like, it just completely snaps. I lose control. So what does, like, what does nuance look to you? What does, like, a balance of perhaps not I'm doing really well or, like, you know, this is, like, a little bit healthy but it's also something, you know, that maybe not like a cheat meal but it's, like, an in-between? I think it's actually putting less pressure and just trying to make it a bit more unconscious you know Mm. like if I'm feeling like this I'll have it and like oh yeah I'm you know feeling like a meal so I'll cook a pretty healthy meal I think it's easier to separate it into big meals like I would rather that than snacking because Mm. I think snacking is when it gets really like is this a healthy snack is this not a healthy snack and then you know the binging comes so yeah I just try and get like full on healthy products so I'm not craving anything afterwards because that's when it also can become a bit of a problem <laughs> but yeah that's, that's how it's had it yeah and um you mentioned before when you're being forced to eat something or just eat it and that kind of anxiety that you get from a situation like that did you have any of that with your friends parents sleepovers stuff like that so many so many and yeah it was just super uncomfortable and really anxiety inducing like it was not fun i got it from family even friends like just you know i'd be at lunch and someone would have a healthy path just try it come on just try it just try it like what's going through your head like in that moment oh just absolute anxiety like completely like just the stress it goes from zero to 100 like completely and it's just for me it just feels so unnecessary you know like i'm just you know and it's just a lot of people don't take no for an answer and it's really frustrating having to just be like i do not want and that's the thing it's so embarrassing you know when you take a bite and you just gag it up and they're like ah what, what the hell like it's just not no part of it is fun honestly and never once has anyone really put me on a spot to try something and I loved it and like oh thank you so much like it's never been a positive outcome it's always just like or yeah just having to like like really hold back the gag because I'm I'm too embarrassed to yeah. spit it out and it's just completely not fun and mm. yeah I got it from a lot of my friends parents like they'd cook dinner and then I'd just be there like you know not not having it or I'd, I'd lie and say I've already eaten dinner because I couldn't eat it like physically and they'd just be like come on come on like mm. just eat it um one time a friend a friend's mom forced me to eat an apple which yeah, like, I'm pretty good with apples, but that's one thing about apples. Like, they're just very unpredictable. Sometimes when they're a little bit, like, soft and grainy, I, like, literally can't do it. And, yeah, she's like, made me eat it. And it was, like, this really... She put them in the fridge. Don't know why she did that. And they were just, like, soft and grainy, like the watermelon, like, sandy. And it was just so uncomfortable. And she just watched whilst I completely repulsed at this apple and, like, had to force it down. And, yeah, super uncomfortable. Uh, do you get that kind of anxiety because i i feel like you're not a typically anxious person um so does that kind of anxiety um when you're being confronted with eating something does that bleed over into any other aspects of your life or is it just specifically a food thing literally no like just food i think that's why i hate it as well because i don't experience a lot of like Mm. social anxiety i know a lot of people suffer from that i would not say i'm a particularly anxious person in any in anything but just that one thing and I think that's why it's so unnatural to me and you know I obviously don't get put on the spot like that every day so when it does happen I think it's just completely like uh you know 
So. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I almost had the thought of like, oh, that's such like a juvenile thing to just like make someone do that. But then also parents have their own reasons for, um, you know, making or forcing you into eating healthier food. And I feel like it's just something at any age, if you're so, if it's so normal to you, um, the less you perhaps would understand what's mm. going through your head. And even myself, I can speak from my own experience, probably when I was 16 and like a friend of mine couldn't eat something as simple as an apple, I would kind of be like, what's wrong with this person? Like, you know, it's, this is like such a non-issue. Um, but yeah, it just kind of shows how anyone at any age can kind of misunderstand mm. mental illness. And, yeah. and even on saying that, I think before I'd smoked that joint and I really consciously and cognitively understood like, wow, this is what is going through. I wish there were moments when I was younger that I had the words to explain like thoroughly. Mm. This is why this is what happens when I eat a texture I don't appreciate or I don't like I physically can't that if I don't chew it hard enough. Like I wish I had the knowledge to explain that to them because I think it would make them feel more empathetic. But you're right. Like and I don't I don't have any. Um, resentment towards those people because they did that because you're so right in their head it's just girl why can't you eat an apple come on like Mm. what are you doing and yeah i understand that for sure so and have you tried getting those thoughts into writing or is it now just something where you so consciously understand how you feel about Mm -hmm. this issue it's just second nature yeah i think there's a lot of there's still a lot that i don't understand and i i actually the more and more i be become more of aware that it's an issue the more I'd like to seek help because there are people who genuinely just sit you down with your fear foods and really help you guide you through it. Exposure therapy. Is that what that is? Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Or, um, Oh, I don't know. I learned in psychology, like vicarious learning. Um, yeah. Like some people will mimic learning. That's another one. Like they'll eat a tomato. Then you eat a tomato. But that's so something I feel like that wouldn't help you because you've kind of had to find your own way through this kind of thing. And I think what your friends and other parents were making you do was almost a form of exposure therapy. Mm. It's like, here, do it, like be okay with it. Yeah. Like being forced on you. And I feel like that's not how you mm. have come to under- understand this. So yeah. um, I guess for anyone listening, for parents listening, for um, people who were your age during school going through this kind of thing, um, what advice like would you have for them and what would you, I suppose, tell them? I would say, yes, yeah, stop and like, don't, don't feel you need to internalise this issue so hard. And I think, yeah, like try and express it as confidently as you can, even though, you know, like I think that's the other thing. You just feel so dumb being, having to tell someone like, yeah, I can't eat an apple like my... I gag, I physically can't do it. Um, and yeah, just like, don't feel silly. This is such a big issue that hap- like ex- a lot of people experience. Disordered eating in general is just such a big thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, just don't beat yourself up. Like it's not, it's not even necessarily a you thing. It's like your body. Um, and, and, yeah. and what about um, advice for parents and friends and people that might think they're helping out? Mm. Yeah, maybe threatening your kid that they're going to get cancer is, like, not the best way or force eating because you are you – you probably don't know it, but you're probably worsening their relationship with food for sure and just strengthening that fear in fear foods, you know, like eat an apple, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so, yeah. But I think there are ways to work your way around it, you know, just – 
again, that whole habit, like the more you eat it, the more you get comfortable with it, the more you crave it, the more you enjoy it. That is definitely a scientific process of literally anything. So I definitely recommend that and just, yeah, trying it out, you know, hiding it in meats or something other comfortable. I know that really worked for me. Again, like just mashing up peas and broccoli and mashed potato, suddenly it was okay. Mm. Or dipping a whole broccoli in tomato sauces, dousing it in that. <laughs> it made it a little bit more enjoyable. So whatever gets you there, you do it. That is an inspiring message. Um, and I guess, do you have a goal for yourself going forward? Do you have like an end goal? Is it a day by day thing? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think definitely just to experience a lot more foods and yeah, just be a bit more brave, courageous with it, to be honest. Um, as I said, salad, that's like my next big thing. Um, I've worked my way around tomatoes and broccoli, like air frying that. And that's the thing, like it really is just an experience of maybe how you cook the vegetable, the fair food, how you present it. It's like a food science. Yeah. And I think getting into cooking is making me realize that I have full control over the texture and taste of this one ingredient. So how I work with that is all up to me Mm. and it's a lot of creativity. It's really fun. Okay, great. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you'll be able to join us next week where we'll be talking about addiction and the impact of the recovery journey. Coming up next is Balamois, The Spirit of War, hosted by Uncle Talgum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of spirit and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned to 3CR for more Radical Radio.